This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Fin Network. It's your host, Armando Solá. And on this segment, we kick back with a special guest and talk about life, kayak fishing, and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, presented by Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check the full lineup of LRS rods, X-Matrix rods, and also great uh, fly fishing rod, rods, I'm sorry, award-winning fly fishing rods, I should say. So with me today is a gentleman that not only has the utmost respect in the kayak fishing community for what he's done on the water, but also what he's done out of the water. I'm super honored to bring you today, Mr. Brad Case. Mr. Case, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Enjoy being here. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor, like I said, to have you on uh, last-minute uh, cancellation. And uh, thank you to Dan. Shout-out to Dan Perry for um, getting us in contact and having you on again. It's a, I'm a long admirer of what you've done in the kayak fishing community. And like we talked about, you, you also have a decorated uh, military service and also work as a fire firefighter. So you've served, served both the community and the country. And obviously, we, we all have gratitude to what you've done. Um, and we were just talking on the pre-recording about a few of the experience you had in the outtakes that, that you have that has brought you in life. So... We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how this year went for you as far as the kayak fishing tournament and what you got looking forward for next year. How's that? Sounds good? Sounds How's great. It? Thank you. So, Mr. Brad, let's start with you. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how you, you know, what you do other than kayak fishing and how you eventually got into kayak fishing. Uh, well, did, 
33 years military, Purple Heart on 04, went several years before figured out Broken Back and all the other injuries from that. And we, as military, worked great together. But once we all started getting out, we started finding problems because our camaraderie was gone. We didn't mm -hmm. have anybody. So uh, I met Chad Hoover down at one of the Bassmasters in New Orleans. And my wife told me, she says, you know, y'all talk pretty good together. And she said, you need to get a kayak and get fishing like that. I used to use a little 12-foot aluminum boat and fish that way by myself in the front. I said, well, yeah, you're right. A kayak won't be much different. And I started out with a cheaper kayak. Some people say, go ahead and start with the big one. Okay, well, I understand where people come from. Not wanting to, so I started out with a uh, Pelican Castaway uh, 110, which was their pro model at the time period. But you better only set the hook from like 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock. If you tried anything else, you're probably going to flip your kayak. <laughs> and so we, this is a learning experience. And it eventually got me to start upgrading with a win here and a win there on some tournaments, and I went to the wilderness side. And then from there, it just blossomed. And once I started, I realized that helped me. I wasn't, didn't have to worry about the camaraderie of my military friends much anymore, even though I helped a lot of the fellow wounded veterans get them on the water throughout the years, and I still do, and fish with them. And then whenever they get tired, we come in. It's just something I like doing. But my camaraderie is with all my kayakers be it where they're a wounded veteran or just a stable guy that's just come off a workforce one afternoon and he wants to go fishing. And just like the podcast here, all the fellow kayakers that are listening, just being with y'all, it makes a lot of difference. Well, I don't care whether I'm winning or not. I just enjoy fishing. So, and that helps out a lot. Definitely. And uh, we were just talking about that off air that, you know, we get so many of my guests have that military background and they always say one of the things that gravitated into the sport is that calming effect that has helped them get back to to a civilian life, which is, again, not always easy, being that you've um, seen and maybe lived through some horrors that we in the civilian life haven't had to live through, mostly because of the work that you do. Um, you also worked, uh, I, as I understand it, right, you also work as a fireman or in the fire department. In my afternoons, I did volunteer, or once well, I got yeah, off yeah. service during the day, it was volunteer on the fire departments, two different fire departments, depending on where I lived, and it did pretty good. I enjoyed helping out. Sometimes it was like I get off military and all of a sudden receive a call and go make a, phone, a uh, firefighter call, sometimes en route home, and even sometimes I've left, depending on how the uh, day was going, if it if the, was a bad call. Most of the time, the unit would know, okay. And, you know, it kind of, sometimes like some of them would frown on it. Some said, oh, no, that's just, that's just you're doing, you're doing a, the same duty, but here in the States. It's just kind of how we looked at it. And it just went from there. I just felt that that gave me the opportunity to help here in the States what I was trying to do overseas. Yeah. So. It kind of gives you the, the that kind of like transition 
and all and i mean i'm assuming it's it's hard to kind of like switch that flip oh uh, flip that switch i should say i'm sorry on and off you know when you're going from a mentality of serving and protecting to now all of a sudden just you know having a civilian life wondering what what what's next you know after you serve so many years you know uh protecting the community so that probably was i'm assuming a good transition for you going being a voluntary fireman and, and helping out we've talked a little bit about how in in both in as as a fire as a volunteer fire fireman i'm sorry and uh military service there's the times where you achieve what you wanted to and sometimes you have to deal with what could be perceived maybe as a failure um or not being able to accomplish maybe what you would have wanted and how you dealt with it how do you i know you said about a lot of interesting things about it and i wanted to go back on it because i think it's a lot very important and uh about being yourself and being the best that you can how did you how did you approach that how do you approach the times where you felt like man i'm i wanted to do this i but i came up short or i i you know i didn't get to complete this or or felt like maybe there was something left on the table uh where we talked about you know saving lives this is a thing that we got to understand we unless you're a doctor even a doctor can understand that they did everything they could to save the life they, and up to that point, they cannot fault themselves for doing the best they could. On the kayaking side, it's the same. Yeah. I, the best thing is like uh, any sports. And I, I, I instruct shooting sports with kids. And when one scores the best that they ever scored and still comes up short of the win, but you should tell them they did the best, they said, but I didn't win. And you show them their score, and they're still like 10 points better than they ever did before. I said, that's all you got to achieve. Yes, you yeah. might not have won, but you placed better than what you did. And that's what we got to look at as ourselves. And it's like, I can say, I fished the Bassmasters uh, two weekends ago. Or maybe it was last weekend. I, weekends go by so fast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was the 21st. So, yeah, there's that been a weekend between, right before Thanksgiving. And I didn't catch anything the day of the tournament. But I made it a choice. I could have caught probably 60, 60 inches of smaller fish, but I figured at the time period, 60 inches was going to make it in the top 20 or top 30. Mm -hmm. Little did I know it would have been very good. So I went for bigger fish, had several hits, but didn't make it. No, I didn't feel bad. I did what I wanted to do. I knew I've already qualified. So I was, as those saying, I was swinging for the uh, fence. Yeah. But uh, I was like, uh, Casey, uh, at the bat, I think I hit every, missed every uh, ball that came across the plate. But that's just how it goes sometimes, you know. One time you're going to hit that home run. It might not be a grand slam. It might get you uh, that one point. But another time it might be a grand slam. You just never know. Yeah. But you got to understand that I did my best. Uh it didn't place me in the money or in the numbers, but okay, I was satisfied. But I see people that get so discouraged on the days they don't do good. And then they get so, from that discourage, they just become so negative about it, not realizing maybe they did do their best. Maybe the fish wasn't cooperating that day. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always different things that bring it down. Maybe I didn't use the right bait, but it's the best part about it is it's all learning. We yeah. all get to learn from it. So the takeaway is knowing that you did what you could do, you learned from it, so maybe next time I can do a little bit better and to go from there. Or like me, decide to not go for the small fish and go for the big fish. And Well, my big fish decided to throw me a fin every now and then and wave and just stay in the water and not hit the baits right. But I still enjoy it. We'll get yeah. out there. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. That's a good one. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's good. Go ahead. No, that I was going to say that that's a good point. I think, especially when you look at the tournament, um, there's a game within the game, right? There is a game where you try to stay consistent and, you know, try to get to the end of the year and give you you know, give you chance, yourself a chance to win. And then there's, there's a game where it's more like I already, I need to hit a home run. So it's either we're either going to go all in or, or we're either going to cash the world record bass back or we're not going to cash anything. And that's that's the game of it. You know, like in your case, you already qualified for, for the Bassmaster Classic. So it's like to you, it's like, well, the next notch is to win this tournament. I already qualified, so my, I'm going for the fences here. And like you said, it's going to work sometimes and it's not going to work. But that's something that I find interesting because it's not just catching a five bag and being the five you know, the five biggest fish, you know, or, or winning the tournament. There's a game within the game. There's the tournaments that you want to win, that you need to win for yourself, for your own, uh, um, you know, satisfaction or for what you're trying to achieve. Um, and you're not going to win every single tournament out there. Not even Russ Snyder can win every single tournament out there. Not even Jody Quinn. Not, no one that's going to win every single tournament. So there's that aspect of like, now I just need to get enough to get me to the next tournament or keep me in the hunt for Angler of the Year. And that's going to change your strategy where you're going, you know, what baits you're going to choose and what techniques are you going to choose? Because obviously there's some techniques that are more susceptible to landing you a big fish. And then there's other techniques that are more susceptible to catching you more fish. But it's not going to be maybe that, that, you know, that bag, that five-limit bag that's going to win you a tournament. So that's very interesting. Uh, I can say last year for the KBF side, I was a uh, place knife, tied knife. I was one of the odd ones in the group. I never won a tournament last year on the trail side. I placed eighth, ninth, fourth something like that, you know, went in the top 10, but staying consistent. And uh, it's just something I tell people, don't worry about that one slot, that first place. That's just one slot. But if you try to push yourself to be in that top 10, you got 10 slots now that you can look forward. Eventually, if you can stay in that top 10 on every tournament, it's going to pay off for you. 
being a top 10 in an angular year, year after year after year, is great. Of course, right now I'm at 27th for KB, KBL this year, which I dropped a little bit. But still, I don't think that's a bad running out of everybody that participates. Uh, Bass, we did, they didn't do an angular year this year. They're looking at doing one next year. I, feel, yeah. I did four of their tournaments out of the five. Uh, placed three of them. Last one, like I said, swung for the fence. But people got to understand, it's not always the winning. Yep. It's the fun. It's getting out there. Even if one of your buddies comes down from a long distance and wants to fish, and you're fishing a tournament with him, you just hope he's catching something. You hope he's getting into them. And you hope they enjoy it. And I see that a lot, too. And fishing with somebody else, fishing around them, pulling off so they can try to catch a fish, maybe. It makes a lot of difference. Or taking that kid, just don't fish a tournament one weekend because you promised the kid you're taking fishing. Yes, I, you know, and, it, and it, it hurt a little bit on the points, but to me it didn't hurt in a sense. Because I got to see a 12-year or 16-year-old, at the time 14, go out there and fish and catch, caught his personal best out of a kayak that day. And got pictures of him, and it made it made all the difference in the world. He was he was okay with kayak fishing, but now he's enjoying kayak fishing. But now that was fourteen. He's sixteen and a half, and girls are coming up. <laughs> the first thing about it for the guys, and usually girls that want to fish all the way to they're about eighteen to twenty, and then it's up there like okay, looking for that steady boyfriend. Yeah, but they always enjoy getting out there fishing. So I've had them both ways, uh, the guys and the gals, how they want to fish and what they're wanting to do. But I learned one thing with kids, and even with my wounded veterans, when I tell them, I says, when you get tired, tell me. Because I can fish from daylight to dark and keep going. Because it just, I don't think nothing about it. There's always, that I look at it like this, there's going to be one that bites. So if you're ready to go, you tell me and give me about five to ten minutes. And they said, why five to ten? I said, I might be working one. I might be looking at one following my bait and planing. If I'm not, I'll reel it right up. We'll rock, go over, load up, and go get a bite to eat. Never over push your kids as a father to kids or somebody else that you take out fishing. That will ruin them real quick. Yeah. When they get ready to go, you load up, and you go and just say, how, how great did you have? They just said, no, we're just... Let's work it out next time. Never go past what they get tired of doing. And I was bad as an early on a, when I early was early doing that with my son. He'd get tired. I'd let him go over there on the bank place so I could keep fishing. When the next couple of times he didn't want to go, then I got him going again. So it made that much difference later on. And I started understanding that, you know, don't push him. Don't push him. Doesn't matter where it's. The boy or the girl, when they get tired, call it for the day, enjoy it, go get something to eat, snack on, and go back to the house and talk about what they did right. Don't worry about what they did wrong unless they hooked you in the back of the, your back. <laughs> hook. Yeah. So, make sure your kid is always walking in front of you. Yeah. That was a burn too. <laughs> so, but it's, it's uh, just how to look at it on life. You don't have to be the top. You don't have to be the grandmaster at all. You just got to be down there where you're enjoying it, where you're in the top 10 or the lower 10. doesn't matter to me. 
I'm going to fish and enjoy it. I'm going to do my best. So there's some days, it's the other tournament I fished before that. I was 11.15 before I caught my first bass that Saturday. And by 11.30, I already had five fish and lost two. Hmm. And that much difference on how things can change for you. So I'd already been fishing since 6 o'clock that morning up to that time period. And only had one little hit. And then all of a sudden, this everything changed. And within the next two hours, I caught 16 bass and lost three. Wow. So that that's just, well, I'll take that back, 19 bass and lost three. Wow. So that just makes that much difference on what can happen to you throughout a day. And I've seen people quit it. The tournament ends at two, and they're starting getting ready to load up at one. And I said, I'm not coming off the water till. Or headed to the ramp till two, because yeah. fifteen minutes can make a difference. I've seen, I know Rust. I've seen Jody. I've seen almost everybody right there at that last minute catch two or three fish, or they already got that top five fish, and all of a sudden, bam, they get their kicker that brings them all the way up, yeah. and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. You might not have been first, but it might have put you in second. From being 10th place to second. Don't quit to the time that clock hits that time. And you reel that line up and you say, well, I did the best I could today. There's always tomorrow or the next day. And then you go from there. Yeah, that's a good point. I've actually experienced that um, this year where I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm skunking here. So it's uh, like 15 minutes before it lines out. Might as well swim for the fences. Maybe I'll get the big bass. It'll cover at least the cost of the entry for me and it just so happened that i did uh, i think it was like 20 20 and a half big bass of the day same that same mentality is like well i'm not gonna catch five fish in 15 minutes chances are i'm not gonna catch five fish in 15 minutes so but if i have one big fish that gives me big bass then you know at least i go home with the tournament fee covered and maybe a little bit more in the pocket so and it worked out it worked out just like that way now the plan A was catch big five fish and win the tournament, but, you know, can't complain with uh, plan B. And it, it's crazy because I I go out in the water, and to me, I talk to guys, it's like, well, the good thing about kayak is, like, you know, you can just load up the kayak, drive to the lake and spend two hours and then come back. And I was like, I cannot see myself spending just two hours on the lake. Like, there's no way I can spend just two hours on the lake. I'll spend eight to ten hours on the lake. And when I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, what is this 10 hours? Like, to me, those 10 hours went like 10 minutes. I'm not joking. It's like, how did I, how can I spend eight hours at work and feel like I've worked 16 hours, but I can spend 10 hours at a lake and feel like I only spent two hours? <laughs> it's, it's just how, how, I guess, how we all wired. You know, when you're enjoying, when you're having fun, even if you're not fishing, I would say when you're not, when you're not catching fish, it goes even, faster because now you're like crap it's already time to go and i didn't catch any fish so yeah it makes it does make a lot of difference on that that not that time period it's not to quit early never yeah. never give up uh because the bite you never know if the thing is did i find a fish did i change to the right bait or did the fish just start hitting those are three questions that we honestly will never know. 
because you can assume you found them, but maybe they just started, maybe you just started using the right color bait or moving it just right. Yeah. So you always wonder which way which way it is. I have been at times that I have come up on bass, see them laying down in the water, and they won't hit nothing, knowing that they're going to start about eleven o'clock. Uh, and pull off and wait. And tell the guy, I says, all right, it's almost 11.15. They ought to start moving. And he says, well, I just saw one to swim under my kayak going to the bank. I says, all right, another five minutes, they'll be ready. What it was doing, the bass were laid up at about three foot of water. You could see them. Some of them were laying directly on the bottom. Some were about a foot off the bottom. You couldn't get them to hit. Even if you pitched a wacky, anything in front of them, they just look at it and let it roll off their mouth. But once they went toward the bank and turned and faced back out again, it was on. Don't I don't know what changed, what what was on their clock or time period, but during that day, it may have been the the lunar phase, feeding yeah. phase, whatever you want to call it. But they moved, and as soon as they moved up and to about two foot of water, it was on. And anything from fourteen inches to twenty two inches was hitting at that time period. So you never know. You, you can see them and then you can get disheartened about it. It's like I did on one tournament uh, a couple years back. And I kept flipping to this 19-inch bass. And I flipped at it and I flipped at it and I flipped at it and I tried three different baits. And I said, I couldn't understand. Every time I'm flipping, he's going down, going from right to left to me. And I'm flipping ahead of him just on that outside edge every time. And couldn't understand it. So, and I kept, no, he wouldn't even move toward the bait. So I changed up the bait to a little smaller and nothing. Well, I backed off a little bit, giving him a little breathing room, waiting, waiting. And I see him coming back. And finally, he's coming left to right. I already tried him once. And I had to hit back at the bank and come off. So this time, coming left to right, I pitched up there just about the way I'd been doing it before when he was going right to left, and it was just a sonic blast. Boom, he hit the bait. I got him in, laid him on the board, and put him facing uh, to the left, and I realized why he wasn't hitting anything on the left side. He was, he was blind in the left eye, <laughs> and he wasn't turning toward any of the vibration, though. He was just staying watching that bank with that right eye. So that's made sense to me why when he swam back right, I didn't get a chance to cast him because he was, he was running fast going right. So he could get back up to where he started and done it, do it. And he would do his turnaround and come back down the bank real slow. And he was watching the bank with that right eye. But I didn't realize that because all I saw was a bass in the water swimming about two foot off the bank. But as you think about it, after I got him in and saw that he was blind in the left eye, he was doing what he could, being blind in one eye, and how he was watching the bank that he had learned that he could see with that right eye. He could watch that bank swimming left to right, I mean right to left, and catch the bait fish coming off of it. But I was casting ahead of him and moving the bait in front of him. So by the time it got to where he could see the bait, he couldn't see it anymore because it was already past the, his nose where his left eye was supposed to be seeing it which I didn't understand that at the time period. Didn't know he had a bad eye. So you never know. Yeah. 
I think a lot of it we we underestimate information. We don't value sometimes information as well as we, we should when we catch a fish. Because you got to think, I mean, in order to get better, we sometimes go, oh, he just likes to bait. Well, yeah, that could be part of it. But it also is, you know, a, there's a lot of different things that you can take take mental notes from. Like, how was I working the bait? Was I more like, you know, passing it or moving it faster? What color did I use? Um, I've had it occasions where I'm just like, you know, slow day out there. It's, not, I'm not catching anything. Suddenly, I get a text from my wife, or I get an email that I was expecting. I, just as I'm laying, as, as I'm casting, and I just forget about my bait and start, you know, checking my notifications on my phone, either replying or you know, reading the information that I was expecting to get, whatever. And all of a sudden, boom! I get a line hit. That makes me realize, okay, I'm moving the bait too fast. Because while I was, you know, working the bait, I wasn't getting hit. But as soon as I distract myself and forget that I have a bait on the water and start checking my phone, I get a bite. So it's just mental notes that you have to take, not only with, you know, the color of the bait, the technique, but there's a lot of information that, that you can get um, taking mental notes of why it works. And that's a perfect example. Um, recently, I've gotten into, and I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but that, I want to hit on that point because recently I started using the jackhammer, the very, the heavy one, the one in, in a quarter ounce, working on deep ledges. And what I've learned from it is uh, the black and blue. I started using that one. It worked best with the um, uh, a trailer that doesn't have that much action versus uh lighter jackhammer that i would use with a trailer that has more action what i've learned from and i broke i broke my personal best on it is that that specific day they wanted something that was you know wasn't moving as much it wasn't making that more noise or attracting that much they wanted that that, that slow moving bait with less action and the jackhammer at that point was you know, noisy enough and vibrating enough to uh, pounce on it while I was working it slow, but the trailer on it made to me, from what I got, it made the huge difference because it was one of those trailers where it doesn't, it really didn't have a lot of movement. So it it's just little things that you can take away every time you catch a fish, just take mental notes. And even you can write them down or put them on your phone, you know, with technology now. Of what bait you use, how do you work it, um, you know, uh, what color, what depth, what's the water temperature. There's a whole lot of information that if you take notes on it, it'll eventually form a little, a bigger picture of my, what might work at that specific lake, that specific time, that specific day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yes, it does. It makes a lot of difference. I mean, most people understand I love frog fishing. That's what I like doing. But you got to get away from what you feel comfortable with, be it frog fishing, wacky fishing, uh, chatterbait fishing, and, and be able to change up 
and look at what you have to do and what you got to work with. And three base frog colors, I say, is a black, white, and a yellow belly. And if you're power fishing, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Be it a hollow body or a paddle tail frog, is that's your three base colors you'll need. But then people say, well, what about all these other colors? Well, if you start finessing a frog, then the other colors make a difference. Your sides. And you think a bass won't necessarily see the top, but somehow or another, they may catch a glimpse of that top, or it could be how the sun reflects off the top. Mm-hmm. But that side. And I've had them come up and just, ready, or just ball right up to the frog, or even another top water bait, and you think it's fishing a hit, and all of a sudden just stop. And they just look at it. And then all, and I've seen them just turn and swim away. And you try to get them to hit it as power fishing, they won't touch it. But you were doing it real hard, real aggressive. So they come charging up to take it. And then they look at it and say, oh, that's not that's not what I thought it was. And they'll turn away and swim away. So sometimes the color does make a difference. Yeah. It could be that they were counting the stripes on it. Instead of three stripes, they were looking for a four-stripe frog. I'm more like, well, maybe that was it. Maybe it was 15 polka dots and there's still three. What <laughs> was in their mind, but they, they know enough to say, uh, that's not the one I was wanting. Now, not, that's not what I had flavor for today. And it could have been that they were just a, just a huge change. Just the, uh, they were wanting a yellow instead of a gold. And they yeah. could see that, and they're that close together. Or a white with a yellow stripe down the side. Just you never know. It's just like using a. Some people use a chatterbait and they have one that's all white, and then all of a sudden they stop hitting them. But his buddy's over there catching the mess out of them with a white one because it's got a blue stripe or a gray back. Yeah, real subtle, but still it was enough that the other they, they kept hitting it, but they wouldn't hit the other one now. And yeah. it's like the blue back, blue and black, or or blue and purple. You know. Fishing them deep, people say they don't see, but why will they hit one and not the other? Yeah. There's enough difference there that they're seeing it. But a story I like saying, and I've told a lot of people about about it, when I was fishing a 12-foot aluminum boat before I started the kayak, I had a pit fishing partner in the back. We're fishing an old slough, same water as always like fishing the back waters. We both had black buzz baits on, and probably identical buzz baits. And I'd already caught like four or five bass, averaging about two pounds a piece. I was having a ball. And we probably hadn't even gone 10 feet. And he was trying so hard to catch one, he hadn't caught one yet. And he backlashes. Well, I take my rod and hand it to him. And I take his and I work his backlash out. So now he starts casting with my rod, my bait, my line. I finish about two or three minutes. I get his backlash out, pitch it out there, reel it up, get it all tight and straight, ready for him to go. No hits, no nothing. I said, well, maybe I caught only four fish here or five fish, whatever I caught here. I hand his rod back to him, grab my rod, my first cast, right where he'd been casting, the whole time, reel it up, bam, a three-pounder on. Nothing on the next cast, another one, next cast, a pound and a half. He said, it was time to go to the house. (laughs) same spot for two to three minutes how many casts can you make in two or three minutes a lot yeah considering you're only casting maybe 20 yards out because of the trees but he could not using my rod 
my bait, my line, everything exact, but there was something we were doing different. Either the, re the, the turn of the reel, either the jerk or the level I was holding my rod, that was all something that changes up how the bait runs. And he was not getting the hits, but I was getting the hits. So that's just a thing to look at. You don't know if it's... It, so you can't say it was the speed of the reel as for the reel itself, but it could have been the speed of the reel due to how I was making my yeah. turn handle. So, and I fished right next to somebody in the same boat, jigging for crappie, and they're constantly pulling them in. And I'm up there with the exact same setup, same color, everything. And I'm doing the same thing, same depth. And every now and then I catch a white bass. A white bass, like, come on, can, can I not catch a crappie? And he's <laughs> and I'm like, I look at him like, I don't understand it. And he's, we don't. I mean, you never know. Maybe no saying I'm not holding my mouth right or the pucker factor right and white right, or we just don't know. It's just, but you got to, like you said, look for that little minute detail that it's going to be to change up the, and I know several guys that take the paddle tail on their uh, chatter baits that cut the paddle off mm -hmm. and give that extra vibration, but it gives it more it, as the chatterbait moves, you still got a good wake with it because it fills up the body there by the hook. It gives it some mass, and that makes a lot of difference too. So I don't know. You know, we all don't know, but we don't know it all. But we all, we all enjoy trying. Only the fish know, right? And it's sometimes we overthink, and it's just you know, it's one of those things where they, you know, particularly late, they might be behave differently. Particular day, they're gonna behave differently. It's like there's no one single technique or bait or trailer that's gonna make you know um, guarantee you that's gonna catch you fish. If it was, we only be using that bait, and it'll probably cost like. $100 to buy um, so it's you know and I think I was talking to somebody the other day that I was fishing with we were talking about the jackhammer and how successful it is and I think a lot of it is it comes to the fact well it's a relatively the, the invention of the chatterbait is not new but the jackhammer it's relatively new and it's gone mainstream now this year or the last couple of years where it's more like uh, social media content creators like Fluke Master have talked about it and now it's getting more popularity. So in a lot of lakes, it feel like, like the fish have never seen, they've seen chatterbait, but this one may have, a you know, a jackhammer is going to different vibration to it, uh, a different style of movement. So the fish have not ingrained that into their, you know, DNA to recognize, oh, this, this is, you know, this is not, this is not the chatterbait. So they yep. may be susceptible to go for it because they have never seen it or seen very few of it out on the water. Just that vibration, you know, it, it'll probably come to a point when it's getting so popular that it's going to go through this cycle where now fish have kind of like so used to it that they're going to stop biting on it. And then something else is going to come along that's going to work even better. So it, it's it's a lot of different things. I firmly believe that fish do develop an instinct to say okay i'm not hitting this anymore because the last three times i've hit this bait it hasn't worked out well for me that so be, it's that interesting. Be, 
picture of that bass running up and looking at that frog and all of a sudden yeah. saying, no, that's not the right color, or that yeah. top water bait, no, that's not the right color, yeah. or the right, something's not right, or, yeah. oh, I remember that thing from last week, you know, and that was not a good thing getting into that kayak and having my picture taken. I don't want that again, you know, yeah. so. It's interesting. We, you know, we'll, some someday we'll figure it out. <laughs> So someday we'll be able to communicate with bass and find out exactly what it is. <laughs> so, Mr. Case, what are you? What are your plans now for 2021? I know 2020 was a crapshoot for a lot of us, especially when we're talking about kayak fishing. Any events other than the Bassmaster Elite? Any uh, or Bassmaster Classic, I should say. Um, any other events you got circled on your calendar that you're looking forward that you feel like you either could take the W there or that you just want to visit that lake maybe because you never fished it before? Uh, I could probably come close on the Invitational. I mean, I had a chance at it last year and pulled off of it because I didn't want to lose my spot and my fishing and the fish during the 10. I knew if I fished it four days in a row hard, mm wouldn't be there so i pulled off on my second day of the temptation and did not fish it some people say why did you leave fish well i was really hunting them for the 10 not the temptation mm -hmm. that might be a good chance there uh we got uh of course in the fall caddo coming up for the national championship that's a good yeah. lake I've, yeah. gotten, I've understood it better now and I've had bad days on it, just like any other lake. But I think that's going to be a good time for me back in the fall there. So there's at least four, maybe I say four, to be three weekends, maybe four weekends with the KBL. I know uh, the Classic is on Lake uh, Lewiston or Louisville. They're just at Fort Worth. Oh, is it Louisville? I thought it was... Towa, Towa, I, I can never pronounce it. I thought it was going to be Towakani or something like that. Oh, I think it's Towakani. Right. Well, it's Lake Louisville. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's a tough lake. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised in doing it at Louisville Lake. Well, Wait, I, I realize how all the Texas boys started saying, hmm, we did a tournament there and only caught one fish. I'm like, yeah. Oh, boy. But that's what they decided, so we'll just see if I can catch that one fish and nobody else catches one. That's what I got to look at. Wow. But, uh, cool. hmm. I got a, local, a few local tournaments to fish, and that's what I try to do is fish with my local groups. Two, I got two in the state and one in Louisiana that I fish with. Or really, two in Louisiana and two in Mississippi. And I may not fish every one. I don't, make, I don't worry about making a run for the angle of the year with them. It's just getting out and having some fun and some camaraderie with your uh, buddies that's fishing those groups. And then... So I'm still waiting on, like I said, waiting on bass to release, and then seeing what uh how it goes from there. Once they release, I'll get on my what I call last year was the green calendar. So all my dates that I had highlighted green were the ones I'm fishing, and that's usually what I start with. So pretty much I've chosen uh, three main weekends with KBF other than the championship, and that's close ones closest to me, which. But I think one is uh, Texas, then the Florida, and then uh, Wheeler, Pickwick. And stuff. I think that's it at this time period. I may have one other one. I don't know. I just play it around. And it's, it's fun. I mean, I've been all, all the way up to Pennsylvania, 
Rutgers and across to Wisconsin, out to Oklahoma, and you know, all the way down to uh, Florida. So it's always fun seeing what else I can do. I can always branch out and just try a little bit different location too. I fished a lot of different states, so in the uh, years of kayak fishing. And that's one thing that we can get up there used to a lot. You see it a lot on posts is people would say, I'm coming to uh, Indiana. Who's up here? Who's on, who's KBF member up here? Do you have an extra kayak? I like to try to fish this weekend while I'm up there. And usually somebody will message you and say, I got an extra kayak. We can go try these little lakes. I don't see it as much now. People are doing that, but mm-hmm. used to see it a lot. And it's just how we had grown as a community. It's, more people fishing, but I think we lost sight of that of being able to call out a fellow member to see if he can help take me fishing because he's coming into the state like we used to. There's yeah. still a few to do it. Say, I'm coming down. You want to go fishing? As long as I know ahead of time, it's always there. I got plenty of kayaks. We can make something do, even if it's those saying we're fishing but not catching. But still, it's fun floating around and talking and uh, reviewing what, what, what tactics you're using. Yeah, that's. I think a lot of it too is as the sport grows and money becomes more of a people think, oh, I, I can actually make money out of this. Whereas what used to be just for fun, even on tournaments, you know, you're just going out there, maybe bragging rides to just kind of measuring stick to see how you, you know, stack up to other anglers, you know. Um, now I think with more money coming in, I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, it's great that. This sport has grown and it will hopefully keep growing where more people can actually make a living out of it. And that's if that's what it is, that's great. But obviously with money comes other agendas and, you know, I'm not here to judge anybody for what they for, for what they're trying to achieve. But money changes everything. That's I mean, that's all I got to say about it. You know, it, it, it makes it makes a difference <laughs> for whatever reason, for better or worse. You know, they get more competition, more uh, rivalries. Uh, we seen it in the uh, the you know glitter boat world. Um, and if the ports, the sports of kayak fishing keeps going, we'll eventually see it if we haven't already in kayak fishing. And it is what it is, you know. It's it's important that each of us stay, you know, true to ourselves. You know, um, the sport can grow, uh, money can come in, but just stick to what the grassroots of kayak fishing is, and that's the camaraderie. Um, you know, going out there, enjoying nature, enjoying uh, relaxing time on the water um, without, you know, having to spend too much money uh, on gasoline, a boat, insurance, and everything that comes in maintenance. So it's it's important that we all try to, you know, remember that. Remember the grassroots of the sport. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. However popular it gets out there. Um, last year, you you took part uh, in the Five Live. Um, I hear rumors that Scott is bringing Five Live back and he's revamping it and it's going to be bigger and better. Um. Hopefully it will, you know, Scott Beecher, we know he's, he's, uh, how do you call that? Um, he, he's going to go all in, you know, uh, oh, yeah. and he's not, he's not going to accept failure. He's not going to, he's going to want to, you know, hit for the fences on this. And we're looking forward to five live. Do you plan 
on taking part in Five Live if you get the invite or however he structures us this year? He's hope we've talked several different times. He's uh, looking at the plan is two cameras that they've already purchased and, and finishing up purchasing. One to be over your shoulder and one to be facing you. So that way you have a picture and he will adjust it back and forth as needed. And through the five or six or seven anglers. Now understand the five live is not the number of anglers. You know, it was yeah. five. It's us catching five fish live. Yeah. And some people thought that was odd when we come up and have an extra person or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at bringing back a few of us. And it may have been the winners. It may have been some of the top. He he's still playing that all around and trying to figure out who. But uh, we both talked about, and he's mentioned that we got he's got to bring in new faces also, give other people a chance to be there and be seen. And he's looking at the ones that make want to make the sport grow, and it's yeah. going to and make it uh, that people want to see and understand what's going on and how we talk about it. As we're fishing these tournaments, not just necessarily just to fish the tournaments, but to enjoy it and show what you're doing as you're fishing. Maybe even talk about it as you're tying on a new bait so that they're feminine saying, well, he's tying this on and you explain what you're doing before you make your cast. So it's it's to help you out and also bring the kayak fishing world a different angle of what it's what is going on or how how we are being seen and portrayed now yeah taking it more mainstream yes yeah that's a very interesting point i've talked to other anglers off off the you know off air what their feelings were five live i'm personally a huge uh fan of five live um and there's two sides of it there's the side that you're a fan you know as a fan how do you see the sport in order for the sport to grow and i think scott future understands this obviously is that it can't it we can't just limit about fishing there's a certain in order for the sport to take another level there has there has to be a popularity you know social media now pretty much r runs a lot of the marketing now where it used to be where you had to, if you wanted something to grow you know as far as support sport it has to be on a major network well, now it's not really like that. You see so many kids now, they actually make money out of doing YouTube videos. Um, and that's a little bit more, that's a little bit different when it comes to tournament angler because, you know, editing content, putting great content out there for videos, it's, it takes time and effort. First of all, you have to catch fish and then you have to either pay somebody to edit the videos or do it yourself. And that takes time. Plus, you also have to get better at fishing, which takes time as well. So there is a balance out there. It's not like people think like, oh, you're out there fishing. Well, no, there's a lot of stuff that goes on it, whether you're a content creator or a tournament angler, in order for you to grow in the sport and put your name out there. Um, in order for sponsors to get involved, they don't, I'm not going to say they don't care about the results, but they're more focused on like, what is your reach? You know, you could be the best angler winning all the tournaments. But if you don't have a social media account and you're not active in it, well, the sponsor is going to say, great, you know, a few people saw you win a tournament, but this person, this angler who's not necessarily winning all the tournaments, but posting a lot on social media is getting more, is, is getting our product to a wider audience. And 
there's that balance. I understand that I've talked to some anglers who are like, well, the integrity of the sport has to be winning. And I, I get that. I completely agree with that. You know, at the end of the day, winning does matter. And it does. And whoever wins should get the lion's share of the glory. But in order for the sport to grow, and Scott Beecher is working on that side of it, and I think he's doing an admirable job of it, and I'm a fan of it, um, is that he's doing like, well, we also have to look at the social media aspect, the growth of it, and anglers that are putting themselves out there in social media, you know, um, can benefit, the sport can benefit from their exposure out there. So it's a balance, and I'm sure there's going to be people that are in favor of it, people that are against it. But there's always a balance that needs to find out that needs to be reached in order for the sport to grow. So we'll see where it goes. And my full support on Scott and Five Life and every single tournament out there, whether it's KBBT or Hobie or Bass or uh, KBF, and even Paddle and Finn is doing their own um, uh, tour this year, trail this year. You know, we want the sport to grow, whoever it is. The more the sports grow, the better it is for everybody. Well, I, uh, understanding where the five lights started and on it, I had Scott called me like a month before and said, well, what do you think? And I thought it was, this would be great. I was kind of disappointed I wasn't in the first group, but was on down in a line on one of the other groups. He said, well, I need to spread everybody out. I said, that's fine. I'm good with that. But considering what he did for the first year to start, getting 25 people out there to go and to fish a tournament and how good it was to get us to fish that and catching five fish in a two-hour period. That was amazing. That's Yeah, that's not as easy as it sounds. And it's like, and I can say, uh, but that was on a morning bite. It's like I was fishing against Jamie Dennison on that tournament. He didn't catch anything during that two hours. 30 minutes later, in less than an hour, he had five fish. That's back to you never know when they're going to hit. Mm -hmm. It was just that much of a change in that much time period. 30 minutes or so later, he tore them up. So that's another thing Scott was looking at. It's maybe doing four-hour periods, two in the morning, two in the afternoon. So you have a different bite period. Somebody may have a morning bite. Somebody may have an afternoon bite. That's things he's thinking about doing and trying to get more people active in it. So, and, and then with KBT, it was funny. I fished their tournaments and uh, I knew I didn't have the luxury of having. And that's another thing. Which, let me back up just a second with Scott. Scott, we had to use our cell phones. So yep. we couldn't necessarily choose the best lake that we liked. Mm -hmm. We had a lake that had cell service yep. all the time. And that made a lot of difference, too, because there was yep. other lakes that some of us could have gone to and probably got five fish and could have probably broke 90 to 100 inches. But we never would have had the cell service. He needed the cell service for us to be able to do the five live. And that was part of the reason how a lot of us choose our locations by having cell service that was not going to be intermittent or cut or none at non-existence at all. It had to be cell service 100%. And that was one thing looking at. And that's another thing he's having to look at for this next year as it comes up. And he's, and that's all getting played into it. And the cost is coming up on it. Yeah. So 
considering it's just great. I mean, the people that fished it, they were all good fishermen. It yes. wasn't, there, wasn't necessarily that I won one time, Jason Orr won one time. All the different people won at different times. It was, yeah, it was different times. You could have swapped it all back around or do the same. I can be even the same five fishing the same time period uh, this coming year, and I might not get to fish. You know, it could be uh, Tim Perkins gets all the fish, or it could be Jamie gets all the fish. You just never know what's going to go on out of that group. It just It's always amazing on what how it goes, how it changes up. Yeah, and that's a good point because I think uh, talking about the cell signal, you know, so you, so you do the video stream. Like, the when you look at it, the lakes are going to have, especially where I live, the lakes there are going to have, uh, allow me to do video streaming, live video streaming. It's going to be lakes there around the Metroplex. Great lakes, but the ones, the big bass factories are going to be the lakes that are out there out of the city limits, like maybe in the middle of nowhere, because those lakes, first of all, they're healthier than a lake in the city. I don't care how clean the city is, there's going to be more rain runoff pollution going into lakes. It's going to affect the health of the lake. They're going to be high pressure because that's where all the weekend warriors go and, you know, and people take their kids, where you go out of the lake in the middle of two hours away from the Metroplex, where only like diehard fishermen uh, go fish, there's not that populated. You get more big fish. That's just, that's my experience at least. Not to say that I can't have a great day on a, on a, a lake at the Metroplex, but traditionally where I'm going to catch the biggest, my biggest bags is going to come in a lake that's outside of the Metroplex. And guess what? Those <laughs> lakes are not going to have, you know, cell signal, not a consistent good video streaming signal. That's a good point. And we talk about it. I got the Bass Times here. I just got in the mail. And referencing Bassmaster, I think it was two years ago, I was on their poster lead holding up my big bass for the year before. Then this past year, I mean, that's just one kayaker right there. Not doing it, you know, showing up on their big page board for their classic coming up. Me showing up holding my big bass in my hand. Uh, we got this last, this past year in the past three months, Casey Reed had a ride up in the, uh, Bass and Magazine, Bass Times. And last month, Russ Snyder had one. I know it was cause of Russ winning out there in California, but it still mm. was, that's kayakers that's had write-ups about them in a major magazine. And not just pictures like me, but write-ups about them and what they were doing and how they were doing stuff. So it has it's come a long way. I mean, but we we still got a little bit farther to go. And uh, so it's being seen. Yeah. Now we've got KBL, Hobie, and Bass, three different type tournaments how on the levels they're wanting to look at. Then you have KBBT, a bracket type tournament. And I think they're wanting to come out with a uh, series, kind of like a football, baseball team with a group yeah. of six, seven, Guys move around. They fish different spots, and only five fish out of your team, or four fish. That's that's yeah. all still worked out. But the bracket tournament was is fun in a sense that you fish against somebody else every weekend mm -hmm. until the final. And yeah, 
you might not make it to the first, but you fish a lot against a lot of good people coming up and you learn a lot. Yeah. And you learn that sometimes it's best to go down there and fish in their own waters and fish against them there. No. But and and it's great for those people, families that maybe uh can't afford or you know, don't have the time to drive five hours to to their nearest, you know, big name tournament. Uh, but you know, can take a or one day out of a month and then, you know, go for a one-on-one tournament and move from there. Yes. Well, Brad, now, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I always tell people, look for your local tournaments. Fish mm-hmm. and cook to see if that's really what you want to do or if you just want to kayak fish. If you yeah. want to fish tournaments, try your locals and see how you do. It's 25 to $50 a weekend on what you do, and you enjoy it. If you don't, then okay, you know not to try to put the extra money in to start on the big side. Uh, KBF will still have the challenges next year. That's your month longs now again. So, mm-hmm. and then you to choose out of that uh, 30 something days, what day's best for you. If you're, and a lot of times we had people that work offshore that may not have but a weekend between those time periods. Now they may have two weeks to be able to fish. Yeah. Or people that work weekends and then have a weekend off. They only get one weekend a month to uh, fish because that's their rotation, and it always fall on an off weekend. Now they got that chance again, 30 days. They can see what they can do, or they find that one tournament to fish. If you can't find anybody, do what we always used to do. Friday night, get five or six guys to go with you, and y'all just throw $5 in the pot, winner take all. Or you get out there and be fish, and winner goes by the uh, evening meal after you get through fishing, you know, something like yeah. that. Fun. Bragging white rights amongst your buddies. That's all it takes a little bit just to get started and all. So don't think you can't, you can't fish because you're in a pelican cast away 110 yeah. or something of that sort. It starts somewhere, even if it's an inflatable kayak. And I've seen a few out there. Yeah. I just, I just couldn't do that. Not the way I set the hook. <laughs> so, I figured that'll be the first thing that blows. <laughs> the lake and all of a sudden realize that my life jacket better be blowing up while this one's deflating right here. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to find out the hard way. No. I have hit the side of my kayak with my bait so hard at times, I've even had it stick into the side of the kayak. <laughs> I've seen that happen a couple of times. Or nice. fly right back at you and dock at the last millisecond to avoid yeah. having to go well, to a doctor for surgery. Yeah. Safety. We talked about that and all that. I want to reiterate one thing I hadn't done before on safety. It's not getting back in the kayak. We've all talked about that at times. It's uh, glasses, sunglasses. Yeah. You think about, as we just mentioned, a hook flying by you, and you got glasses on, it hits you in the face. Well, maybe you get the hook in your eye, or you won't get the hook in your eye because you got glasses on. Well, that's, that's not what I'm wanting to get toward. It's the mist from your reels when you make a cast. Most people during the day is fine because we put sunglasses on, and we see that mist coming into us. But in the early mornings, you make a cast, and that mist is getting to your eye. If you start thinking about it, that's bacteria now getting into your eye from a mist. So it seems best if you had some sort of clear glasses on. Yep. Watch that mist. I found out, and a couple of my other buddies have found out, we have eye infections after a tournament within a day or two 
And then we realize as that mist is hitting us because we don't have sunglasses on and we started narrowing it down to why do I have an eye infection? And it turns out that water misting coming off that reel and it sprays into your face and into your eyes. And the next thing you know, you have something like pink eye or something else in the eye. Yeah. So guys, just take that in consideration for safety. I mean, it still helps from that hook flying back at you, but it's just something <laughs> about the mist from the reel getting infecting your eye for your eyesight. You won't be able to fish for three or four days, or even worse, you may end up losing the eye because you got really something bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, that's a very good point. Also, when you catch fish, sometimes you like next thing you know, you're scratching your eye because. And then you realize that's one thing. I always have like a little antibacterial bottle. Every time I catch a fish or something, I try to like wipe my hands out of it, clean them um, before, because you never know. And then you all of a sudden you're scratching your nose or scratching your eyes. Or, and there you go. You got an infection because of it. So, or you yeah. start eating your lunch, you know, dipping into your Fritos or your Doritos with all this fish slime on you. And you forget. Uh, I just I was thinking about that. I mean, I reach into the pond and wash my hands, reach to grab my sandwich afterwards. I'm not yeah. mad about that. But uh, I do remember one time catching a gar and taking my towel and wrapping it around the gar so I could get the hook out of its mouth. And later on, I later on that day, our sweat was just boiling down on my face so bad. And I reached for that towel and I started to wipe my face. Oh my man! My face. <laughs> then I realized, oh, that's where all that slime went. <laughs> Yeah. So I had to find another towel, but because I had enough gar slime on my face to uh, to coat another gar with no problem. <laughs> so if you ever do use it to hold a fish, make sure you don't put it back and use it the same way you intended to use it from the start. Right? <laughs> Definitely, you forget about it at times. So, well, Mister Case, thank you so much uh, for taking time over with more than an hour here uh, talking to you. So I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on, on my podcast. It's an honor to have you um, on my podcast. I'm a huge admirer of, of what you're doing, the kayak fishing in, uh, uh, tournament scene and for the uh, community. So can't thank you enough all that you're doing, you know, elevating our sport to the next level. Uh, you know, we wish you the best for next year. Um, and as far as tournament and life in general, you know, hopefully it's going to be a better year for all of us than 2020 has been um, and things are going to be on the up and up. But before I let you go, Mr. Case, um, I don't know if there's any sponsors you want to thank or family members or friends that make your kayak fishing life a lot simpler. If you want to take a few minutes to thank those people. I mean, go ahead. Well, I'm with Native Kayaks right now and, and Big Adventures. That's why I'm using the Native Titan 13.5. I have the Dakota batteries, the uh, Tordita motor, and I love that motor, the 1103. Uh, Spro frogs, can't fish without my Spro's, and their crankbaits also, which has helped me out on several tournaments too. And then I have red line lures and their vibrating jig. That has been, like you mentioned about the chatterbait, it's the competition against them, mm -hmm. but I got I don't necessarily have a good chatter, but I got a good click on that bait. And I love that click. And it works out fine for me. We have so many different people out there to help us and bring it along. My sponsors are always great. 
And my best sponsor so far has been Yak Attack. They've stayed with me, and I've been with them for almost nine years now. And they always got good products and always replace yes. them if something goes wrong with them. Great As, company, Yak Attack. Yeah. The good part is my kids have grown, so i got grandkids now, so I don't have to stay home and be with them. As I would suggest, a lot of people have to watch. And you don't feel guilty about leaving. And it's always get up in the morning. And the wife says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm debating on going fishing. She says, it's loaded. Go. Bye. <laughs> so I like hearing that sometimes. And other times it's, when will you be back? I'm like, uh, I said, why? I just want to know we got supper ready for you. You know, and yard work for you to do. And we're like, uh, yeah, yard work. But just remember, guys. It's all about being there, out there, enjoying it, and keeping your line wet. Yeah, can't express it any better than that. So, Mr. Case, thank you so much for those out there listening. It's been the Bass Kayak and Beer segment, as always, presented to you by Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check the full lineup. So, again, we wish everybody the best uh, this coming year. We're uh, pretty much uh, ending 2020. Hopefully 2021 is going to be a better year for everyone. Be out there. If you're going to be out there in the water, be safe, especially if you're fishing in winter. Please take the appropriate uh, necessary measures to make sure that you are safe uh, and protect yourself from if you eventually fall in the water. You know, don't have to worry about hypothermia and everything. So I know that's different um, in every region, whether you're in the south, north, but please take good care of yourselves out there. Take uh the necessary precautions and be safe so tight lines for you all have a great day thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on paddle and fin don't forget to go check out our website at paddle the letter n and fin.com don't forget to check out the youtube channel at paddle and fin if you got a question comment want to hear from a future guest on a future episode feel free to email us at paddle the letter n and fin at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media at paddle and fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle and Fin logo directly on your catch board shout out to Jigmasters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com use promo code pnf20 and save 20 percent on all your jig and tackle needs